Hey everyone, quick note about today's episode. We had such a long and varied conversation about this book that we decided to split it into two episodes so you weren't listening to us ramble for two hours straight and you could take a break in the middle. So it ends kind of abruptly. Just know that there is a part two coming. Um, so be on the lookout for that. Content warning. This episode contains potentially sensitive topics including religious abuse, emotional abuse, sexual abuse, and child endangerment. We believe that these topics are important to discuss because they are real and pervasive. As always, we strive to approach these topics with respect and sensitivity to those who have suffered. If you are sensitive to any of these topics, please feel free to skip over them or skip over the whole episode if you must. Take care of yourselves out there. Hey, I'm Shay. I'm April, and this is the Bitch Moms Book Club. A podcast about moms, motherhood, and parenting as portrayed in literature. Disclaimer, we're not above swearing or discussing graphic content. So if you're sensitive to that or have your kids or mother-in-law in the car, this may not be the podcast for you right now. Uh, how are you doing, April? I'm good. Um... I, I, I've been better, but I'm good. I found out this week that I have, I'm almost anemic. So I have an explanation for my super low energy the last several months. Welcome to the club. Thanks. I didn't even know that was like a thing that could just occur afterwards. Like, how does that even happen? I don't know. I need to research it. Sometimes bodies are just weird. And I also like didn't really have a big problem with it until, I don't know, last year. Until after you had your son? Yeah. Was it two years after your yeah. son? Because it was two years after my son. So maybe it's something about that. It's something with growing a penis. <laughs> <laughs> Not on our bodies, just someone else's just penis. Just making somebody else's penis. All right. Moms, if you are a mom of a boy, let us know if you're an Yeah. My bitching piece for the week is just like... Why does my kid need to eat every day? Like four or five times a day. I know. I have to think think about what he's got to eat. And like, it's fine. Like, I also am married. And so like, he also needs to eat all the time. Not that my husband can't fix himself food. But then I'm he also can. like, well, I could also, I should eat. And so I'm like, well, since that person needs to eat, I should also eat. But it's like, man, I just kind of like get a little nostalgic for the days of being single and just being like I am too lazy to decide what to eat so like I'm either just not gonna eat or have crackers and that was fine and I was like I'll just be hungry because I'm just too lazy to feed myself but now I have another tiny human that turns into a demon isn't if he isn't fed regularly and it's like what do I feed you like I fed you yesterday and I just get so tired of trying to decide what to feed and eat Ugh. yeah that's mine this week I feel that I would eat the same thing like every couple days and my children would do that if it was Kraft mac and cheese and yeah. I just cannot feed them that every other day plus you don't want them to end up being a picky eater so you gotta like make sure they have a variety but then they pick out the zucchini from the Alfredo, even though you can't even taste it. Yeah. I'm fine. Can, yeah. Like so I had a great precious moment this week. I have been touched out 
which is not precious, but I have been touched out a lot. So I, my husband was home and I said, I'm going to go lay down and take a rest because I need it. So I went into my room. I didn't shut the door. Normally I do, but I didn't. And so my son came toddling in and climbed up on the bed and was like talking to me and like laid down next mm-hmm. to me and was snuggling. And then he fell asleep right next to me, mm-hmm. like in my arms. And it was the cutest, sweetest thing ever. Um, and I like texted my husband on my watch and I was like, come. <laughs> and so he like walks in and I go, and then I pretend I'm asleep. So, um, yeah, it was just, it was just the sweetest, like having him just fall asleep, holding my hand was like so sweet. And I know those moments aren't going to last forever. But my precious moment this week, we were, uh, we were at the table having breakfast or lunch or I think it was breakfast and my son like suddenly got really whiny and I was like, I don't understand what you're saying. And he just was like, no, my nose. And I was like, what's the matter with your nose? And I was like, you have nose boogers. And he's like, no, but, and I was like, okay. And then he grabbed my hand and like took my fingers and just went to his nose and was like, boop. And I was like, oh, you want a nose boop? He's like, yeah. And I was like, okay. And I was like, all he wanted was just to so be booped cute. on the nose. And I was like, okay. That's amazing. You sweet weirdo child. Oh, that's <laughs> yeah. cute. Yeah, so it's really cute. Um, yeah, so what kid book have you gotten for us or lately? Do you have one? I actually have two this week. Is that okay? Okay, so the first one, The Stuff of Stars by Marion Dane Bauer, illustrated by Ekua Holmes. East K-U-A. Um, and the illustrations are incredible. They're, I think they're acrylic. You know, the, that like in thing right now to pour acrylics and like have it mix and stuff. Um, anyway, so it is about the Big Bang. I like it because, well, we're Christian. And while I believe in science, I think God or the higher power uses science to do things. I don't think it's just like, and God said, let there be light. Of course that happened via science. Anyway, so it says, it starts out and it says, in the dark, in the dark, in the deep, deep dark, a speck floated, invisible as thought, weighty as God. Yet there was yet, there was yet no time. Anyway, so it just kind of goes through like how we are the stuff of stardust and um, one of the things I really liked um, was you took a big breath of the same air once breathed by woolly mammoths. You cried tears that were, were once salty seas. Your hair wants the carbon in a leaf. And so I just love that it's it's like, I don't know, connects us more to the earth. Um, yeah, I really liked that. And the other is a very popular book right now. It's called The Water Protectors. We are the water protectors. I haven't heard of this one. Oh, you haven't? Mm-mm. Oh, so it's about indigenous people. So one of the things we're studying in August is indigenous peoples. And so it's about a girl who um, is an indigenous woman. And she talks about how we come from water and how important water is. And she is a protector of the water for the people. But there's a black snake, which I realized after it was like oil pipelines. The black snake is here. Its venom burns the land, courses through the water, making it unfit to drink. 
anyway, so it talks about how we all need to protect the water and um, how that fight is led by the indigenous who are, you know, protectors of our, our this stolen land. Those are great. Thanks for sharing. We'll put the um, link for our bookshop. Yay. We have a bookshop.org shop so we'll put the link for our bookshop uh to those books that you can order them from there all right shay what book are we talking about today uh so we are talking about educated by terrell westover it got really big in the last few years uh, i think let's see when was it first published it was one of those books i hadn't really heard about and then i it's everywhere now uh, so it's blurbed as an account of the struggle for self-invention. It is a tale of fierce family loyalty and of the grief that comes of severing one's closest ties. Westover gets to the heart of what an education is and what it offers. My experience with this book, I was telling somebody about where I grew up and kind of how I grew up. And she was like, oh, it's like that book educated. And I was like, I hadn't heard about it. So I picked it up. Um, and so I grew up kind of just over the mountain from where she grew up. And I think she actually grew up like near Preston, Idaho, which is really close to where April and I went to college. Yes. <laughs> um, it's like just just over the state line from where we went to college. It's where um, everyone would go to buy beer. And lotto tickets. Yes. <laughs> and like real alcohol. Yeah, because it was Idaho. Um, yeah, so I grew up sort of just over the mountain from her in the same landscape. And um, she grew up in a little you know, Mormon town. It started as a Mormon settlement, and I did too. Uh, so I, um, I related to this book a lot. And my family is not nearly as extreme as hers. But the alignments are alarming. <laughs> uh, yeah, so it was, um, yeah, I remember you were reading it and you were like, this just reminds me of your parents. I was like, yep. Uh, right, they have seven kids. We had seven kids. Uh, we lived in the middle of nowhere. The last five of my siblings were homeschooled. <laughs> uh, so there were a lot of alignments. I think you're also one of those people that struggles with relating too much to a book. Um, for me, it tends to like validate my own experiences and emotions around that experience. Um, and when I don't personally relate to a book, like on an experiential level, usually I take it as a like, oh, this helps me understand other people's experiences. So like, I'm glad my mom died. I didn't personally relate to that book on an experiential level, but this one I did. And so, like, I'm, I don't like get turned off by being like, oh, this is like too much, like what I grew up with. Um, but so let's windows and mirrors. Yeah, windows and mirrors. Uh, so we can kind of get into um, the book. Uh, we'll try to hit just the most important parts. Um, so she, she starts with this preface, which I think is kind of funny, is like, this is not a book about Mormonism, because I feel like any book, that is written by somebody who grew up Mormon. Like everyone always tries to like use it as like, this is what Mormonism does. And it's like, nope, this is actually what extremism does. 
her family is extreme and weird even by mormon standards and like even by utah mormon standards so like utah mormons are weird to mormons outside of utah yes uh so like they just like on a different level um and so i just think it's funny how she like points that out this is not about mormons and like it really isn't like she doesn't really mention mormon doctrine ever she just is like this is what my family did and here's what it was like at church yeah, and, like, most of it is, like, you could probably apply to a lot of Christians or even just any sort of, like, lifestyle religion um, that sort of dominates everything. Uh, yeah, so she starts with that. Um, and then we get her opening scene, which is a prologue, and it's just her kind of running around the mountain. And she says, I am only seven, but I understand that it is this fact more than any other that makes my family different. We don't go to school. Um, I had been educated in the rhythms of the mountain, rhythms in which change was never fundamental, only cyclical. Uh, all my father's stories were about, were about our mountain, our valley, our jagged little patch of Idaho. He never told, told me what to do if I left the mountain, if I crossed oceans and continents and found myself in strange terrain, where I could no longer search the horizon. Uh, he never told me how I'd know where when it was time to come home. And she sets this scene for us. And so I, I feel like it's important to sort of step back and talk about mom and dad before we get into, like, the rest. Because they are interesting. So the most interesting thing I about them is that they, like, grew up relatively normal and they had sort of a slow descent into madness. Both sets of parents, like, lived in town and had, like, been suburban and sent their kids to school. I actually was, like, looking up a little bit more and it turns out Tara Westover's mom had, like, spent some time at BYU. So she had, like, gone to college. Um, And so, like, they grew up in a relatively, they grew up in relatively normal families and then just, like, married each other and went crazy yeah the dad is more of the domineering figure he's very sort of traditionalist and fundamentalist to him the world is very black and white it's all faith or it's all world you're either with us or you're against us um there's no in between which really Um, is that's really something that's very predominant in the Mormon religion. So a lot of this is not about Mormonism. No fence sitting. Right. But I remember growing up and hearing like, there's no fence sitting. You're either on one side or the other. You can't have two feet. You know, you can't have one foot in and one foot out. Which is like, they would like preach that, but it like really isn't in practice in most people. Like a lot of people in the church are pretty nuanced. Cafeteria Mormons. Yeah. I'm all in, but I'm still going to drink my Diet Dr. Pepper and get a boob job. (laughs) Yeah, so it's like her family is very much like we're all in and even farther than they're telling us to go. (laughs) Uh, So it's um, she's kind of growing up with that. The dad is a doomsdayer and he's like really focused. Like that is his main drive is like the apocalypse is coming and everyone else is going to die. He has tunnel vision towards the end of the world. 
Uh, so he's a doomsday. He has a very fundamentalist interpretation of the scripture. He's a severe individualist, which is like pretty common in the West, especially, um, you know, no sense of like community is only family and only people that you have blood ties to. Uh, we don't accept any input from the government. They, I doubt that they even vote though, right? They're just very much like, we are self-reliant and uh, you know, just strong individualism. They're the only people that should be in and out of their families making decisions, whatever. Yeah, and then we get mom, who is called mother throughout the book. And I am just going to say, anytime there's a family where they refer to their mom as mother just sends up red flags for me. <laughs> Especially in this day and age, like my grandpa grew up calling his mom mother. It was the 40s and the 50s. Anytime past like the 50s and people are calling their mom mother, but the dad still gets to be dad. I'm like, mm. Pedestal. Yeah. So she is called mother. Uh, she is an herbalist, uh, natural remedies. Um, as I said, she had actually started going to BYU for a little while. She also grew up in a really normal family. Like her dad was the mailman in town. And, you know, she like grew up in a clean house and white picket I fence think yeah with like a white picket fence and her uh, terry describes their house as just like being very neat and like she was like they have well i mean compared to what tara was used yeah. to with like shit everywhere yeah uh yeah. so we get mother she ends up becoming an uncertified midwife and um she doesn't really want to do it but her husband tells her she needs to do it because it's God's calling. And In the end of times, you know, we're going to need somebody to deliver the babies. Yeah, she's not even certified. She just, like, apprentices with someone, which is, like, sure, that flew in, like, 1850 <laughs> or, like, even up until, like, the 1930s. But, like, there's a reason that we want certification now. There's a reason for formalized um training uh and sometimes people in this situation forget that people used to just die all the time um we're so far removed from death that we're just like we don't need this or that and it's like well you forget why we have these things in the first place it wasn't just to control us it was because all our babies kept dying well uh, this quote about that tara has about her mom that always that stood out to me was uh, her mom with the cops. Yeah, her mom like is helping somebody with a birth and it goes wrong and they have to take the they have to take them to the hospital, and the mom <laughs> plays really is questioned. Yeah, by is the questioned cops. by the cops, and Tara says. When it comes to doctors and cops, nobody plays stupid like my mother. And she says it, like, proudly because <laughs> she's very young. And she's like, I'm so proud of, like, how stupid my mother can pretend to be. I feel like that really kind of sums up her parents. Um, they're just, like, kind of out there and, like, oblivious to the fact that, well, one, they take pride in the fact that they're just, like, super out there and extremist. Um, and also oblivious to the fact that some of their things are harmful. Well, and I think the biggest, the weirdest thing is that, I mean, actually, I don't think it's that weird. 
The thing that gets me is that the dad is really the one to drag down the mom. Um, you know, in relationships like that, there's always the one who is just pulling everybody else down. And, you know, he's the one that was like, you need to become a midwife. And she came home after the first and was like, I don't want to do this. And he's like, I don't care. This is a calling from God. You know, he uses God as a weapon, I feel like, a and lot. And to get his way. There is sort of a perpetuating dogma. I think it's gotten better um, within the church, but there was this sort of perpetuating dogma that, like, the man is the head of the house, and he receives revelation directly from God for the entire family. So, like, basically what dad says goes because his what he's getting is straight from God. So... Which makes sense if you believe that God is only a man. And yeah, um, if yeah. you haven't watched Shiny Happy People, they have a system on there called the like umbrella system that kind of explains it. Uh, they don't really use that in the Mormon church, but it does align with that. Uh, and again, it's not quite as bad today um, in a lot of families. A lot of families in, in Mormon religion are like pretty equally yoked like it's there's still some like pushback on a lot of sort of progressive stuff at least within a family setting uh but it's really like you can go to work and as a wife and nobody's really gonna like hold you back on that um and actually a lot of men are like within the family, yeah, within the family. and like a lot of men are actually like yeah I, I want my wife to work it makes her happy so um there's just like a lot that's happening, right? Like so our family is LDS, which is a very like lifestyle dominating religion. Um, on top of that, they live in a small town, which small towns in and of themselves are kind of culty. I grew up in one in Idaho, so also kind of a culty place. Okay, so our first sort of big moment that really sets off Tara's journey of education is when she's about is she still like seven or nine she's still Quite like, young uh, yeah seven or eight yeah uh her grandmother um so her grandparents are snowbirds so they stay in idaho during the summer and go to arizona when it gets cold uh and her grandmother is like we could take it to arizona you could go to we'll take you to school uh and tara like really considers it <laughs> and uh uh eventually decides not to do it um because she feels like it would be portraying betraying her family and she was like who's gonna take care of the cows like that's my job uh and so yeah so that sort of is her first inkling of like i could but she's very much pulled back into her family then um the family goes on a trip to arizona is because dad is depressed gets in a right? crash on the way home so he the needs the sun and it's winter. So they drive through winter in Idaho and Utah to get to Arizona. They spend time where he just like lays on the porch for days in the sun. And then he's like, all right, it's time to go home now. Yeah, they have their in the middle of the night because I think year old driving. None of the kids are in seatbelts. They're just like sleeping around on mattresses in the back of the van. Um, they're just, they were just like, we're going to just going to drive straight through from Arizona to Idaho in the night. 
gets in a crash on the way home. Mom gets a traumatic brain injury. They don't go to the hospital because God, I don't know. Because hospitals are a socialist service by the government and they will, I don't know. He's just nuts. It's, I mean, they're also very much like, if God wills it. So, like, if we're going to die, like, God wills it. If we survive, God will. Like, basically, like, if we have problems, it's God's will. And, like, we're just going to live with that. Um, and, like, okay, you're just going to have as many kids as God gives us. And it's like, okay. <laughs> God created medicine. Like, if you're a Christian and you believe in God, you know that all good things come from God. Birth control? I know. It's like, it's this idea of, like, I don't understand. Like, it all has to come from God. No humans can actually do anything. But then, like, also men are allowed to receive revelation from God. But if somebody who is not, it reminds me of this, this little, like, parable of, like, a drowning man. And he's like, cries out to God and is like, why? Please help me. I'm drowning. Yeah, save me. And like a boat comes by and the captain is like, hey, we're here if you want help. And he's like, no, God will save me. And it happens like three more times. And then the guy drowns, gets to heaven. And he's like, why didn't you save me? And God's like, I sent you three boats. (laughs) I sent you three captains with like three boats to come help save you. And you rejected all of them. Um, And I just always think of that whenever there's Christians or really being is gonna save us and it's like is he gonna come down in the flesh like i don't know what you're expecting like is god himself gonna show up and heal you like freaking no if god is there he's gonna use somebody right like oh my gosh if that's what you believe that god is real he created humans why can't he create humans that create things that he wants us to use like birth control. Yes, like birth control and CT scans and <laughs> brain MRIs. surgery. Yes. Uh, so they don't go to the hospital. Mom gets like, a ter- she gets raccoon eyes, which is like a really big sign that there is something really wrong with your brain. She spends like months in the basement and then she starts like ticking. So she like starts doing this thing with her fingers while she'll like, rub her fingers together uh as like a sign i don't exactly remember how it works but like it's muscle testing muscle testing oh yeah okay so muscle testing is basically like um like i knew a midwife that did this (laughs) and also from idaho and she would be like you're if if you can't hold on to these supplements and that's not what your body needs and so she was just like pull the pill bottle out of people's hands and be like oh so these ones aren't going to be the ones for you and it's like okay (laughs) Uh, and of course like my mom went to her and it was like of course the most expensive bottle of supplements was the one that her body needed um so it's pseudoscience but her mom sort of does this but it like she says like it's you know it's her body's way of knowing but i'm like it just sounds like a tick uh, like a TIC tip. Uh, so she does that. She has this traumatic brain injury. Then she like, you know, she's never quite the same after that. Um, understandably. Uh, so after this, 
Um, they sort of settle back in. And then Tyler, who is one of her older brothers, Tara's the youngest, uh, Tyler decides to go to college at BYU. Um, he's sort of one of the um, calmer brothers. He's got a st- bad stutter. Uh, but he decides he's going to go to BYU. He's like 16 or something. His dad is very much against it. And his mom is like, well, he's made up his mind, so we might as well let him go. Uh, and well, and what's interesting about Tyler is that, you know, he didn't go to school. And so he basically taught himself everything he needed to pass the ACT or the yeah. SAT and get into school mm-hmm. without a GED. And starts to kind of introduce Tara to music, which is a huge part of her life yeah. after this. Motab. <laughs> well, yeah, uh, but still music that's different than nothing that they listened mm-hmm. to before, and it just makes her, music becomes a thing for her. Yeah. Um. So we kind of find out Tyler's like her favorite brother because he's like chill. <laughs> he's like... And kind. Yeah, he's just like a, a nice, sweet guy. Um. And then we also learned that um, he actually did go to a couple years of elementary school. Um, so, so there had been a time when Tyler was a boy when mother had been idealistic about education. Um, she used to say that we were kept at home so we could get a better education than other, other kids. Um, but it was only mo- mother who said that as dad thought we should learn more practical skills when I was very young. That was the battle between them. Mother trying to hold school every morning and dad herding the boys into the junkyard the moment her back was turned. But mother would eventually lose the battle. Uh, and then she basically started really trying not to get them in more of a structured education with homeschooling. And then essentially once they could all read, she gave up uh and was like whatever the dad was just taking them to work uh and this is something that uh this was part of like unschooling curriculum is like kids will just learn what they want to learn um so like don't try to push anything on them like whatever they want to learn they'll learn and that is essentially what she's doing but i i mean i think like the actual unschooling setup is a little more structured than that um, but a lot of people who do it just sort of take it as a like, this is an excuse to like not do anything. <laughs> uh, you have so, personal experience with that, don't you? Yes. I was public schooled because by the time my family decided to homeschool, I was like too far gone. I had I was like in my sophomore year. Um, and so I was only like the five youngest that hadn't quite gotten into school yet. My two sisters each went to like a year or two of school and basically my mom was like against homeschooling at first and what it was was my sister just really hated going to kindergarten she just like had separation anxiety she just like didn't want to be there all day and my dad was like she doesn't want to go and like I'll just take her to the shop with me and and that basically was what set off the homeschooling journey on my parents uh so we do get that like there was on this journey towards education and then it got kind of pulled back uh, because dad is domineering and was like they don't need to go to school like they just need to learn how to work which is very this is like a it's a really big blue collar idea on, on like college um the dad calls college extra school for people too dumb to learn the first time around 
Uh, and then he says, like, a son of mine standing in line to get brainwashed by socialists and Illuminati spies. He's obsessed uh, with the Illuminati. He is obsessed with the Illuminati. He's also, on top of everything else, he is a big conspiracy fanatic. And this is, like, a pretty common thing of, like, college is just, like, a useless thing. Like, you don't need it. All you need to know how to do is work with your hands. And, like, I kind of grew up with this. Um, But, like, I was also a girl. So, like, when I went off, they were like, well, she's probably going to get married. And her studying English is going to be somebody else's problem. (laughs) So, like, it wasn't a big deal um, at first when I went to college to study English. Um, but this is something that like, I kind of have to, so it's like blue collar and people that, um, come from some more like disenfranchised backgrounds are like, if you're going to go to school, like it needs to be something lucrative or like why waste money going, why waste money and time going to college when you can be a delivery driver or a janitor and like not to put down any of those jobs, um, and like they are they are skilled labor they are necessary um but there's like this fight between like real work is work that essentially breaks your body down and like you have to like if you aren't sweating and just like physically falling apart after 15 years on the job then it's not a real job and it's not real labor and it's not essential um and that is something that like a lot of times like even me as a professor I've sort of have to say like I have to break down with a lot of my um you know dis- disenfranchised students or um more rural students it's like they're pushing against this setup that like college is pointless like you can be successful without college which I fully support what I think gets lost in this conversation about whether or not college is useful is like who is it useful for um, as somebody who came from a rural background and, you know, in a blue, blue collar background, I was not interested in doing that. Like I did manual labor with my dad and I just like, didn't want to do that. I knew I wanted to go to college. I knew I wanted to study English. I knew I wanted to write. I didn't know anybody in my life that did that. So the thing about like often why middle-class people and upper-class people get to study things like the arts is because, you know, and not go to college, um, is they often have a networking system. Like, if you are middle or upper class, you're more likely to know somebody who is a lawyer or a finance broker or, like, all these things, these other things, or just, like, even a business person. Um, And when you aren't around that, there's no one, right? So I feel like we, what's lost in this conversation is, like, what college offers to people um like I think also a lot of people don't understand like realize what is in college like USU they had a medical facility I don't know if you ever used it yeah but like I didn't have insurance and I went there like I wanted to get on birth control and I went there it was $75 I didn't have insurance yeah, and I was like, I got to go. It was seventy five dollars. Um, I think I like birth control is like nine dollars a month, and I was like, I didn't even know that I was there. Like a lot of colleges, the college where I work at, has a counselor on campus that you don't need to pay extra for. Um, they have like financial help, and not even just like 
financial aid, but like people that help teach you about finances. Um, and like, there's just like a trove of things within and, and, college. And college really is about expanding your borders, right? There's a reason that you do generals. General education is so that you can learn about things that you won't necessarily do. Like I took a history class that was just really fascinating and I wasn't studying history. Um, but it was interesting. I took a Latin and Greek class and now I understand more about words. Like there's just such a huge variety. I took an entomology mm -hmm. class because bugs are cool. Like yeah. there's just, even in the information and the people you meet, like I met people from all walks of life. All, all mm -hmm. sorts of countries. I mean, there's such diversity in college, unless you're at BYU. But there's such diversity in um, going to college that even if you don't use that degree, you're taught how to think critically. Yeah. And yeah. like, I, I am not like the best uh, marketer for colleges because I'm like, listen, not everyone needs to go to college. Not everyone does well at college. I sometimes even get students that I'm like, I don't think this is for you. Like, I think that maybe you should just be done. Like, I, I've, I've never said that to any of them, but I've just been like, you're not ready for this. Like, I think you're going to do better if you come back in 10 years. Or like, I think maybe like this just isn't, this just isn't for you. Like, I think you also have, right? Like there's some students that I'm like, you seem to have a mate, like, you know, somebody, um, but like, I, what's often left out of this is college worth it is it not worth it is like what does it offer like for me it also offered like a huge networking system that like I would never have otherwise had I was very introverted I, I don't really like approaching people um, I especially was like very afraid of like anyone that had any sort of authority over me so like I never wanted to talk to my professors um, but like I wouldn't be where I was today even if I if I didn't have like those people to fall back on, like when I went to grad school, I had to be like, shoot, I have to find people to write me recommendation letters. Um, and that got kind of hard. Cause I was like, I never talked to any of my professors. <laughs> so I had to like email several of them and be like, do you remember me? Um, and it just like, it just offers so much that like for people in a certain class level or demographic or even just regional place, like it's, it's it's sort of like a very convenient curated place to just access so much that you just like would not know how to like would not ever know to access um yeah. and so like i think that that is you know there's this idea that college is just there to turn you into a socialist <laughs> but it's like there's just so much there that it really elevates people from a lower background and it like not lower, but like a lower class disenfranchised background and connects them to these things that they wouldn't otherwise know. I am, I think a lot of, I have a problem with like finance bros because they often are doing really great finance stuff for people who already have money. There's this cycle of poverty that is there because there's just like no, they don't see a way out or a way to expand from that. Um, and like, not to say that having college degree is going to guarantee you more money, um, but like there is some use there. And like most people today that say that they don't think college is worth it or they don't think their degree was worth it, it was because they're 
just in so much debt. Um, and it's like, if they didn't have the debt, I feel like they would say it was more worth it. Um, and that's, that's the biggest indicator of when people are like, I didn't think it was worth it. It was just because they're like thousands and thousands of dollars in debt. And, you know, opening up college and making it more accessible was meant to sort of equalize class classes in America. And now it's just getting to where it's like only the wealthy again are allowed to go to college. And we're just sort of trying to perpetuate like keeping poor people poor uh, and ignorant. Um, I also think it's interesting. So like this is just incredibly anecdotal stuff. I am not a data analysis, a data analyst or a statistician. But I've also noticed there's this trend as this trend of like, you don't need college. Bill Gates didn't go to college. As there's this rising trend of like, college isn't worth it. Um, which I don't know if it like really is becoming more of a trend or if I'm just noticing it more because I'm in academia. But like, as this trend is happening, it's also at the same time where like, academia is becoming more female. Um, Dominated dominated yeah um so like i know like in the statistics for our school at least like females female identifying students succeed at a higher percentage than male uh, male identifying students um so meaning that they are more likely to complete their degree um and complete degrees with higher grade point averages and black women are actually becoming the fastest. I think they're faster and faster becoming the most educated um, demographic. So Yay! not necessarily that there are more black women than anyone else getting educated, but black women who go to college tend to end up getting higher degrees than their white counterparts. Which honestly is great. Like, it's about damn time that black women get to have the education that they deserve yeah i mean part of the reason for that is like all black people know this but you got to be twice as good to be considered you know get half the respect um I'm so sorry. there's that <laughs> uh and so it's like I, I just think it's interesting how it's like oh as this trend of like college isn't very useful it's also at the same time that like females and people of color are starting to get more degrees and it's just like this inverse correlation not to say that there's cause or correlation for that but the alignment is it's interesting to consider to go along with that like my sister and i are fairly close in age but we are completely different right I wanted to go to a school that had great AP classes because I knew I was going to college. It wasn't even a question. Like in our family, you go to college. And my sister was like, yeah, college is not for me. And my parents were like, that's great, but you have to have something that can support you. So you need to go to technical school. Now, since then, she has gone to college and gotten a bachelor's degree and become a nurse, like a registered nurse instead of just a CNA. But like, again... There are options for everyone. A lack of money should not necessarily be like, and if you're in school, if you're in high school, you get to go to the technical colleges while you're in high school. Depending on where you are, but yeah. Right. But like for a much lower, if not free amount. Mm -hmm. So 
there are so many opportunities for you when you're in um, school and when yeah. you're around schools. And not to say, like, everyone's always like, the American education system sucks. And like, yes. Well, yeah. Every education system sucks, depending on who you are. Like, um, my husband's English. And so he actually was like, I kind of wish I'd gone to school in America because we're a lot more like, you can still do it. Like, you can do whatever you want, right? Like, we're very much more optimistic. And like, somebody can flunk and fail all the way through their to their junior year of high school and as long as they pull it you know turn around in the last two years of high school they'll they'll get into college it might not be harvard but you'll get into at least a state school or a two-year college um and like you try really hard to get people to succeed um i work at a community college and like i am telling you there's a lot of resources there that like we have stuff to help students like a lot of professors are really working to help students who maybe aren't like typical students or neurotypical students um and a lot of it does come down to the student themselves uh and so like it's not these things are are accessible right like the the school system has its faults but i can tell you having lived in other countries and been married to someone from another country those school systems have faults too. Um, if like, right, like some of the European countries, basically you have to decide what you want to do when you're 14. And it is very difficult to change that, which is like, what did you want to do at 14? Like, I thought I was going to end up being a stay-at-home mom at some point with four kids. So. Oh, yikes. <laughs> um, I was going to be a meteorologist and chase tornadoes. I probably should have figured just gone with that. Yeah, I I thought I was going to be veterinarian. I don't even like animals now. Yeah, so it's like no education system is perfect. Like there are students that like there are kids who thrive in a homeschool environment because there's just like too much going on at regular schools or whatever. Um, but they like can go faster. Yeah, but I do think there is something to be said for structured education or formalized education. Anyway, so back to the book. Uh, Tara, Tyler goes to college. Tara's stuck at home still because she's like, I don't know, 12 or something. Um, Her dad, she starts, her dad starts taking her to the junkyard because Tyler went to college and now he needs another man on his crew. And it's just like so much child endangerment. (laughs) Like, Well, and didn't you say this was one of the things that also reminded you of your growing up? Because the the child endangerment is, like, insane. He just doesn't care. Yeah, they're just... I mean, this is, like, something that also growing up in, like, a rural, small-town, blue-collar life is, like, your 10-year-old's working in the mechanic shop, like, underneath the car. Like, that's just... That just happens, and nobody bats an eye about it. Your 10-year-old is driving a giant tractor with, like, a bunch of sharp blades spinning around on the front of it. Like, nobody really cares about that. Um and, like, people, they're just like, oh, well, like, getting hurt is a part of life. And it's like, doesn't have to be. <laughs> like, you could prevent that. Like, there's just a lot of this ideology of, like, in this, in these small towns of, like, couldn't have, like, it couldn't have happened any other way. And it's like, yes, it freaking could. You could have not had your 10-year-old driving a tractor. Or, like, you could have. Or, like, not had- they go through scrap and she, the dad, like, just chucks, yeah. like, steel bars her way 
and she has to like move and she gets hit with it and he, he i mean he's just like <laughs> throwing it over <laughs> like it's no big deal better i'm sorry but you should not have children that young working with heavy metals with no gloves no i mean in general but also with no gloves no helmet nothing they're just in a junkyard full of tetanus things um and and it's just insane because he just doesn't give a shit and that's the part that is so confusing to me with all of this like i understand that you know i can see i don't get it but i can see someone who believes that they receive revelation from god for their family and are leading their family but he doesn't treat them like they're gifts from God or even like people. He treats them like he objects. Them, and he treats them like they're people to use. Right. On and his and renewable. Like they're a renewable yeah. resource. I'm sorry. Your children are not a renewable resource. Sure, you can have more of them, but they're not like going to be the same. You can't yeah. replace your children uh, when they die. Yeah. It's... uh it's a lot. So she gets hurt. She also gets really hurt. Like she falls like, I think it's in total like 18 feet. So she falls. I, I mean, In reading it, it's kind of, Ambiguous. she's very wordy and it's like really beautifully written. Um, she's definitely an academic, but, uh, but so, so, but sometimes it's sort of like hard to parse out the details. So I think she falls like eight feet and then like hits something and then falls another 10 feet before she hits the ground. She get, gets caught in yes. something. And then she falls, and then she falls onto the pipes and, like, gets cut up by these steel pipes. And, like, it is Her bad. dad's just like, you okay? Okay, <laughs> good. You good? Can you stand up? Can you walk home? And then, All right, you're fine. And then the brother catching fire. So they're dealing with gasoline. They come home for lunch. Everything's dried on him. Then they go out. He deals with more gasoline, lights a match, and he lights on fire like yeah on clothes burned off skin all nasty on fire and his dad drops him off at the front door and goes and like fights the fire yeah so brother catches on fire and like she sort of is like we can't tell anyone about these things that happened to us. Like our parents admonish us not to tell anyone about this because the government will come take the kids away. And it's like, if you have to tell your kids, like, don't tell anyone about this. First of all, secrets, right? This is one of those things we have to teach our kids not about. Like if a grown up tells you to keep a secret from mom and dad, maybe you shouldn't <laughs> like, right. Uh, it's that you have to be like, don't let anyone know what happened because the government will take you away. Like you, I feel like that should be a flag for you that like, you know, you've done something wrong. If you're that f afraid of something happening in, in a consequence to that. I, I tell my daughter because she's the one that understands right now, but I talk to my daughter and I say, if someone does anything to you that makes you feel uncomfortable tell mom it doesn't matter what they say it doesn't matter what they threaten i will believe you and it will be okay yeah uh so um also i mean tara's also like in the junkyard but she's also like 
She's like, I don't really want to do this, <laughs> right? She wants to do other things. She's the only daughter. So her mom is also a little bit more willing to like let her do the pretty things as well. Uh, so she ends up starting a dance class. Um, <laughs> she also starts like acting and singing. Um, but she starts doing dance and her, she like is in a performance goes and she's like, yeah, she's well, she like her first time there, they're wearing like leotards and tights and like tutus. And she's like, they just looked like tiny harlots to me because that's the shit her dad says all the time. Um, so purity culture is so ingrained in her that she is being misogynistic. And like, I will fully admit that this was me. I was one of I was one of those girls that was like (laughs) I hate to say it but I would be like well you gotta watch what you're wearing because a guy might rape you and like you shouldn't like you shouldn't be at a party you shouldn't put yourself in situations where these things could happen I fully would say stuff like that like that was stuff that was like so ingrained in me um because I was like my mom would literally like look at girls I went to high school with and be like she's dressed like a little hoochie and so like it I internalized that as like I don't want to be a hoochie like I don't want to look like a hoe I can't wear shorts like there was definitely like modesty culture at church but like it just was like things that I was hearing around were the things that stuck with me the most of just like hearing my parents whom I loved and was very attached to and like wanted their approval hearing them sort of be like those people are bad and I was like well I don't want to be bad and I don't want them to judge me or dislike me so I don't want to be like them and I am therefore going to judge those girls and like I have that has been part of my deconstructing is being like listen it's okay to wear short shorts it's okay to wear a short skirt it's never your fault gasp I know. Uh, And it just like, she's still only like nine or 10. And it's like, it starts so young, this idea of like, women are responsible. um, And it's always the girl's fault when something happens to her. Um, And we've got we got into this a little bit with I'm glad my mom died. But Tara starts going through puberty and she's like, I felt it. My body was changing. It was bloating, swelling, stretching, bulging. I wished it would stop. Um, And then later on, she like, um, she starts dating someone and she decides to go to Walmart and buy women's clothes for the first time. And she's like, I barely recognize my own body, the way it narrowed and curved. I took them off immediately feeling that somehow they were immodest, even though they weren't. It was like a t-shirt and jeans. And, like just this how it just pervades everything about you and when she goes to college she's like these girls are wearing tank tops in the house there's no men around and I definitely felt that I was like I can't wear a tank top and short shorts like even in my own house um I was like weird about like my bras being in the laundry and like somebody else in the family seeing my bras um and so she starts to just like be kind of freaked out about her body and just like how purity culture really affects her and opens the door for abuse which we also get into yeah 
is this all-powerful being, but then like he never gets involved in anything, but they're like, nothing. Dr. God. <laughs> yeah, Dr. God created medicine and training and birth control. This was part one of our discussion on Educated by Tara Westover. Please join us on part two to complete our discussion um, on the book. And we'll see you there.